As Pastor mentioned, I just uh, just made it back from Kenya uh, last night, and so happy to be back in the states. Happy to be with you guys this morning. And uh, you know, I want to I want to tell you some mission trip tips for if you're going to Kenya. Uh, first of all, bottled water, right? Just drink the bottled water, right? Um, that's, that's my mission trip tip that is universal. Anytime somebody leaves the United States who is from the United States, we are spoiled with our water. And, uh, and so only drink bottled water, right? Um, also, only eat foods that have been cooked and that are hot when you get them. So these are mission trip tips. The, the, the big one for Kenya for me, at any moment in time, it is perfectly acceptable to play Hakuna Matata on your phone. You guys remember the Lion King movie? At any point in time, you can break out the Lion King soundtrack and everybody just goes along with it. Um, the, the, the most interesting thing as I listen to song service this morning is that song service is different in Kenya uh, because they have song and dance service. Don't worry, I'm not going to dance. Um, <laughs> but at any moment in church in Kenya, you've got uh, multiple people singing, multiple people playing instruments, and then a whole group of people that are dancing. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. But we are assistant directors with Mana Worldwide, and getting to travel to all these places is fun. Um, it's uh, interesting. It's um, Sometimes overwhelming uh, to see uh, a lot of different parts of what we see in the world. We see uh, differences, obviously, you know, in the, in the dance and in the food and in the drinks and in the whatever, the landscape. But we see such beauty. In the Mana Projects in Kenya that I've been at this week, uh, it was my first time there. And so I wasn't sure what to expect. I wasn't sure uh, what was going to happen on the trip. I really wasn't sure all of uh, what God had for me there. Like, why, why was I going? And I really struggled with that because we're assistant directors with a- for Asia. We focus most of our time on Asia. But I think one of the things, at least, that I walked away with was the fact that this Jesus that we sing about... This good God, this God who saves and rescues and brings his kingdom here, they worship that same God in Kenya. I got to work among uh, students mostly in different uh, churches and schools and nutrition centers that Mana Worldwide has in Kenya. Um, In the area of Mombasa, Kenya, it is about 75% Muslim. And so mosques everywhere and a few churches. And about 15 or 16 years ago, uh, one of the local men there who grew up in a Muslim family who came to faith about 16, 18 years ago, decided and felt compelled to plant a church. And he took our CEO, Bruce, out into the middle of nowhere. Bruce says, we like drove out of the city... And then we drove to the next village, and he thought, oh, yeah, great, we're here. And then we drove to the next smaller village, and he was like, oh, this must be where it is, right? But then they continued to drive until they got into the middle of nowhere in a field. And the Kenyan man looked at him and said, this is where God's calling me to plant a church. And Bruce said, I tried to talk him out of it. 
Like I tried to tell him, this is not a good strategy. You want to plant a church where there are lots of people. And he said, I feel like God's calling me here. And so Man Worldwide came alongside him and helped him to plant that church. Before long, we realized that there were people in little villages, in little pockets, in little communities all around, most living in mud and thatch huts. And most of those people had zero access to education. So Mana Worldwide came alongside and helped to start a school, primary school. And then that grew into a secondary school. And now we got to visit multiple schools in that area that are now uh, home to about 2,000 students. And Mana Worldwide gets to make sure, uh, have education. There's a church on site at each school and a local pastor leading each work. We're making sure that not only are people uh, educated so that they can improve their communities and, and really change the world, but we're making sure that they are connected with this good God that we know. We're making sure that from a young age they're hearing of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you one of their stories a little later in the sermon, but we're going to see them saved. And their families saved. And their community changed. This community that was once almost all Muslim is now almost all Christian. As a result of, not manna, but as a result of God. As a result of stirring and movement in the hearts of one man and one group of people who said, these kids matter. And so that's what we do with manna. As we go into places and pockets of people around the world and we say, they matter. We say that God absolutely wants them to hear this good news. And he wants them to live a life filled with love and joy and peace and happiness. A life connected to him. And so with Manna Worldwide... We do a lot of different things, but it's all centered around the idea that if we can reach people at their most desperate physical need, often we can get the opportunity to reach them at their most desperate need, which is their need for God. And I don't know where you are today, here, or watching online, but maybe, maybe we have physical needs. And maybe sometimes our physical needs can overshadow the spiritual need that we have to be connected with God. But let me tell you, there's a good God out there who absolutely loves you, who who gave his son, who gave a life for your life. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing more powerful than that. Who loves you and loves these children enough to send people to them to go and serve and love and give them what they need. And this morning as we are here during your missions month, your missions emphasis, focus time, I want to speak to you this morning a little bit about having a do something faith. You see, many of us, I believe, as believers, uh, especially in the United States, but Someone as believers in general, we can begin to have a hear something faith. We can have a see something faith. We can have a, we can have a go somewhere faith. Oh yeah, I go to church. Okay. Right. And I hear the word. Okay. 
But I believe the Bible calls us to more than that. I believe this good God calls us to have a do-something faith, church. As missionaries with Manna, we get to travel and speak in churches all over the United States every year, 30, 40-something churches every year. So I get to speak in front of groups of people like you guys. And I get to share what Manna does and who we are and how we go and serve and all these things. But then I get to ask of you to take a step of faith towards whatever God calls you to do. I get to ask of you to be on mission. And I get to share with you the fact that this mission is both worthwhile and good. It's not easy, but it's worth every moment of it. There's a young man I want to introduce to you named Ajay. I think he's maybe a couple slides over. And this is Ajay Pariyar doing what Ajay does best. This is Ajay, one of our kiddos in Nepal, worshiping the one true God in a place that worships millions of gods and goddesses. All false, all inventions of Satan to confuse and detract and distract us from this one true God. But Ajay is a man of faith. Ajay came to us at a young age orphanage there in Nepal. He came to us within a Hindu country, a Hindu community from a Hindu family with hurt and heartbreak and difficulty and struggle. And he heard of this one true God. He heard of the power of Christ to save. And along the way he got saved and baptized and began to pick up a guitar that a volunteer is. He taught himself to play and sing and to lead worship in our orphanage where every night they host an hour-long worship service where they just praise him. Somebody speaks and challenges these kids to be missionaries to their people. And they have. They've led many into faith in their community. A bunch of orphans who most people would say have nothing and nobody share this good news in their community and people are getting saved. Ajay has grown up to be an incredible young man. And a couple years ago, we were there on a mission trip and we were standing on the top of a mountain looking out over the sky, just the, the beautiful, beautiful Himalayan mountain range. Snow-capped peaks, little hillsides. Uh, they call the, what they would call the, the small hills would be the mountains that are the tallest mountains in the United States, by the way. And then they have the middle hills, and then they have the high Himalayas. And so Ajay and I are looking out across all these mountains and all this beauty. And you see these houses dotting the hillsides all around, sometimes in ones and twos, and sometimes in fives and tens and even fifties. And I look at Ajay as we look out. One of us knows this story, right? I look out across the hillside, and I look at Ajay, and I say, man, you see, you see all those houses? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know those houses represent people. Thousands and thousands and millions of people, really. Living on the hillsides of Nepal. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know that most people in those houses have never once heard the good news of Christ. And he said, yeah. 
And I said, what are we going to do? He said, I don't know. And I said, well, you, you know it can't be me, right? Because somebody that looks like me, that talks like me, that dresses like me, enters into some of those villages and those doors have been closed for thousands of years. I said, what do we do about that? And he said, I'll go. That's what kind of young man. That's what kind of kids we get to see raised and led to him across this world with manna. And that's what churches like you get to be a part of is stories like Ajay's. But the story didn't stop there. You see, about a month after I had been on that mission trip and had that conversation with Ajay on the hillside, he sent me a message and said, I've got the opportunity to go to India for some missions training. And I want to go there and learn how to lead my people to faith in Christ. And I said, okay, let's go, man. Let's figure it out. We send the money. Ajay gets to Nepal in January of last year. It was supposed to be in Nepal or in India, sorry. It was supposed to be in India for January, February, March. Just three months by himself as a like 17, 18 year old young man. They're doing missions training. And in March of last year, I don't know if you remember, but something crazy happened. The world shut down. COVID happened, right? Massive shutdowns shut down all transportation systems in India and Nepal. The borders closed. He couldn't take a bus, a train. He couldn't walk across the border to get back home to Nepal. And so I messaged Ajay and I said, man, what, what are you going to do? And he said, they said we could just stay and continue our training. This thing probably won't last long. <laughs> not a prophet. He's not. Ah. Uh, <laughs> so he said, okay. He said they were going to just continue the training until the doors got open for him to go back home. I said, okay. Ajay got April for free at the missions training place in India. He got May, he got June, and July, and August, and September. And then the border opened. So he could go home in October. So six extra months of missionary training. You think our God has a plan to use this moment, this struggle, this difficulty, this destruction that's happened to the world? You think God has a plan to use it for his glory and for our good? I think so. I messaged our orphanage director a few days later. I said, man, I bet you're glad to have Ajay back. He said, he's not back yet. And I said, you know, I, I know India is huge and it takes a long time to take a bus through India, but he should be back. What's going on? And he said, Ajay went to the town that his family was originally from, to that village, because there is no church in that village among his people. And he wants to make sure there is one. <laughs> That's the God we serve, church. He is good, and he has a plan for each of our lives, whether we are nobody and nothing in an orphanage, or whether we're right here in Haverhill. <laughs> Story continues that Ajay has since moved to that village and is starting small groups 
and is looking to lead a church there. I want to speak this morning from Matthew 14 and beginning in verse uh, 22. Uh, for some of us, this is going to be pretty familiar, this story. Um, it, it's one of those things that uh, even non-Christians sometimes know about uh, Jesus walking on water. And uh, <laughs> I think if we'll look at this story, we'll find something interesting in it. So allow me to read it and to tease out some things that I notice. The Bible says, immediately he made the disciples, that's he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So Jesus sends his disciples out on the water. They are like, how are you going to get where we're going but okay we'll go <laughs> and Jesus is on the land and in verse 25 it says in the fourth watch of the night he came to them walking on the sea this is odd <laughs> this is different from what they've seen before right I believe in the Bible call uh, shows us something that's different that's something that's odd, something that is uh, out of place, something that's, wow, <laughs> we should pay attention. Because it's God trying to show us something. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. Who else would have been there with them in that? Right? Huddled in the corner of the boat like, I'm going to stay as far as possible away from that as I possibly can. Right? It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But listen to this. But immediately, and I just highlighted immediately, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Church, in a time of difficulty in the world, in a time of struggle in many of our lives, let us take heart. And know that God is at work. Let us know that Jesus will immediately out to us in times of need. Through our prayer, through our faith, through our Bible reading. Jesus is there for us, with us. And Peter, being uh, the wild one that Peter was... Um, <laughs> Peter, when everyone else is huddled in the corner of the boat, does something different. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And everybody in the boat gasps, right? Everybody else in the boat is thinking, Peter, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Jesus, man of few words at times, said, come. I don't know about you, but sometimes stepping out of our boat, stepping out of our comfort zone, stepping out of the corner where we're huddled in fear at times can be a struggle. And it can be difficult to step out in faith to what God has for you next. 
And I don't know, at times I've been the person in the corner looking at the person stepping out in faith and saying, not a good idea. But Peter, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. And so, so, I love it. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. Church, don't miss your moment. You see, I think that there are moments in our lives when God puts a step of faith, when God puts something we're meant to do to be a do-something Christian, to be a do-something believer. God places something in front of us that we are meant to walk into. Many times we miss it. Don't miss your moment. See, there was a moment when Peter could say yes or he could say no. Like, I was just kidding. Come on in the boat. Right? Those huddled in the corner, do you think their perspective changed when they saw Peter step out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus? (laughs) I think they had to be like, wow. I missed my moment. Because it would be really weird at that moment for them to go, hey, me too. Right? Right? They, they huddled in fear and they got to see Peter do the thing that all of them probably would have given anything to get to do in that moment. And that's what we get to do as missionaries. That's what we get to do is we get to do the things that, man, sometimes people look and go, wow, I wish I got to do that. You could. You can. Here. You can. There you can absolutely everywhere around the world where this good news needs to be known among unreached people groups and people who so desperately need to just once hear the name of Christ spoken to them. You guys have some friends in a place that I work often who are doing just that. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Let us remember that Peter was still just a man. He so desperately needed Jesus. Even when he stepped out in faith, sometimes there were failings and difficulty and struggles. But listen, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. So Peter got to walk to Jesus, and he got to walk back to the boat with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? In a moment of faith, Peter stepped out of the boat to walk towards Jesus. And Jesus, though he failed, picked him up. And they had the beautiful walk back. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Church, let me tell you, our faith is meant to be a do-something faith. You agree? Our faith is not meant to be a hear something, a be somewhere, a go somewhere, a read something faith. It's not meant to be just a moment where you say yes to Jesus and then you stay learning or you stay memorizing or you stay 
in that moment. But our faith is meant to move us. In Matthew 14, we see the disciples on a boat. And we see Jesus and Peter having a little chat. And we see Peter called out. But Peter had a choice. In the moment, he could have said, no, nah, I was just kidding, come on. Right? You see, Peter was a fisherman, church. And if there's one thing fishermen know, they know boats. Anybody in here a fisherman? Anybody, anybody like boats? Any boat people? No? Nothing. Me either. That's good. I won't mess up the terminology and you won't know anyway. It's good. <laughs> but Peter knew boats. He knew that a boat was for one thing. It was to get you from point A to point B across the top of the water safely. The last thing a fisherman would do would be to step out of their boat when they had a perfectly good boat on rough waters. And I think the boat can, can look a lot like our comfort zone. You see, Peter was comfortable in a boat. He had grown up on boats. He knew boats. His dad was probably a fisherman. His grandpa was a fisherman. Like Peter knew what to do when there was like a crack in the boat and the water started. Like Peter didn't just like take out his bubble gum, stick it in the hole like I would. You know what I'm saying? I hope for the best. <laughs> Peter knew what to do with the boat. He knew what it was for. But because of Jesus, he was willing to step out of his boat in faith. Church, if our boat is our comfort zone, where is your comfort zone? And where is God calling you to step outside of that comfort zone? To make an impact in this city, in this community right here. Where is God calling you to step out in faith to reach the people in this community that so desperately need to hear this good news? Sometimes we think that maybe... What can I do? Or maybe we even look around us and we think that maybe people have just rejected him and they don't deserve it. But listen, you never know who the next Ajay is. You never know who the next Peter is. Peter was just a guy on a boat before Jesus encountered Peter. And Peter became so so much more. And I, you know, I, I tend to think that not many of us would step out with a big leap of faith out on the waves. Not many of us would be willing to do that. Not many of us are that adventurous or that crazy or that stupid or that whatever, right? Most of us tend to want to stay in our comfort zone. And I think Peter probably would have stayed in his comfort zone if not for some moments that happened before Matthew 14. You see, in Luke 5, we see, and I, and I won't read a lot of it, but in Luke 5, we see another moment that happened before Matthew 14. We see a moment where Jesus is teaching crowds of people on the side of the water. And we see Peter in a boat nearby. Peter just happens to be there. Right? No such thing as happenstance. Jesus seizes the moment to ask Peter, Can I step into your boat? Can I come into your boat? 
And will you push out from shore so that I can teach from your boat? You think that's an accident? I don't think it was. You see, Peter needed to hear some things. He needed to see some things. Let me say it this way. Jesus meets Peter in his boat before Jesus ever calls Peter out of his boat. And I think that's important. So most of us would never step out of the boat if it was the first time we'd met Jesus. If it was a leap of faith at first, most of us would be too fearful. I don't know how you met Jesus. But for many of us, probably for most of us, a friend, a family member, somebody close to us told us about Jesus, a neighbor, right? For most of us, that's our story. And I wonder how many of us in here are called to be that friend, that family member, to be that person in the community that takes a little step to make it easier for someone else to take a step of faith towards Christ. So Jesus meets Peter in the boat, in his comfort zone, on his terms. There's no great step of faith at first. There's no leap at first. But then the relationship builds. The relationship between Jesus and Peter begins to build. And then we see a Matthew 14 moment because Peter sees Jesus' power. And then Jesus asks more of him. Church, may that be your story. May that be my story. May I take a little step of faith towards Jesus in the moments that he calls me forwards into it. May you do the same so that one of these days we could take that step out of the boat, out of our comfort zone to do whatever Christ calls us to next. Jesus meets Peter in the boat before he calls him out of the boat. And I want to tell you, church, there is nothing wrong with your boat. There's nothing wrong with your comfort zone. Like, I'm not the guy that's going to stand in front of you and say that it's, it's bad to have the house you have or the car you have or to be in the place that you're in or that everybody needs to go be a missionary somewhere in Timbuktu. <laughs> or in Nepal. Or in China. Or in Kenya. There's nothing wrong with your boat. There's nothing wrong with your current situation. There's nothing wrong. God gives you. God gives you the people around you and the place that you're in. And I think that he might just give you those things and those people in that family and that community so that you can make an impact there. I think that might be by design. But church, let me tell you, there's more. Let me, let me tell you, there's more. And in order to see it, he needs steps of faith. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but often um, uh, there's, there's no real such thing in, in your financial life, in your family life, in your uh, work life or anything else where there's, there's no point where you're just at equilibrium. There's no point where you're just stable. 
You're either moving forward, you're learning, uh, you know, you're changing with the times, you're growing, or you tend to be receding. That tends to be the case. In our Christian faith, sometimes that looks like someone who is in church but not living it out. They've been there. They've heard that. But it's not impacting their lives. In order to see what God has for us, we need to continue to move, continue to take steps of faith, continue to learn, continue to go, continue to serve, continue to pray, continue to give so that we could see it. Let me say it like this, church. You need to do something you've never done before so you can see something that you've never seen before. You need to do something you've never done before so that you can see God show up in a way in your life and in the lives and the community and the people and the places around you so that you can see what God is doing and how good He is. I don't know your situation. I don't know your faith journey. And, and in, a, in a congregation this size and those watching online, I would be remiss to think that I know your story. But I do know that there will come a day. There's probably already been some days when Jesus bids you come. When Jesus calls you out. And you'll want to stay safe. Yeah, it's natural. You want to stay in your comfort zone. I want to stay in my comfort zone. But, but I can promise you that if you take a step out of your boat, whatever that looks like for you, that there's a miracle on the other side. That there's a moment on the other side that will change everything. There's a there's a kiddo named Ashley in Kenya that I got to meet last week. And he came to us as a very young man in like kindergarten or first grade. I saw a photo with him and the pastor when he was like in first grade. And I met him as a junior in high school this past week. <laughs> He's come to faith in Jesus out of a Muslim family. But greater still... His parents were Muslim. And his dad was an alcoholic. And his dad was abusive. And this young man, Ashley, came to us and heard about this Jesus and began to tell the stories to his family as a kindergartner, as a first grader. And his mom began to get interested in these stories, but she couldn't go. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to find out more because culturally it had to be the man first. <laughs> she did what every good wife does. Um, she uh, harassed, no. Um, she, uh, <laughs> let's just say, she made it difficult for her husband to live in the house with her until he agreed to go visit the church. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Guys, you know even better what I'm talking about. Uh, and he went to church. And he went a few more times. And then his wife went. 
His son began to go. And their other kids began to go. And before long, this family came to faith in Jesus because of a little kid who God used to lead his family to truth, to the one true God. (laughs) From a little Muslim village in Mombasa, Kenya, to impact us here on the other side of the planet. And that's the miracle on the other side. When that little boy took a step of faith, and that dad took a step of faith, and that mom took a step of faith. You see the ripple? You see how it impacts the world? Got to meet the mom who is now the house mom at the boarding. Uh, they, have a, they have a boarding school there for the high school because many of the kids come from feeder schools all around. The mom now is the lady in charge of the boarding school where the church is, where the high school is. The dad is now in Bible college to go plant churches like the one that led his family to faith. Not many of us will have that story, but each of us can have a story. Unreached people groups are all over the world. There are little pockets of people groups in this area that are from places where the gospel is not known. Like those villages that I talked about with Ajay. There are people in this community. There are people in this city, in this state, in this nation. There are people around the world who so desperately need Jesus. And who don't know him. This, um, this task is a big one. Eight, almost eight billion people on the planet today and over three billion with a B are considered unreached with the gospel. Billion, three billion plus people. And that's why it can't be about me. And it can't be about my family. And it can't be just about Ajay. And it can't be just about Ashley. And it can't be just about the work that Man of Worldwide does in 50 countries around the world. However great it is, we cannot reach 3 billion people. When I look at numbers like that, it's astounding. It's shocking. It's difficult uh, for me to wrap my brain around. And so, I don't know if I did this last time I was here, but... (laughs) <laughs> it's always good for a refresher. Three billion, what's that look like in the planet? Three billion looks like this. If I split the room at this aisle, and I look at everybody on this side of the room, I say, congratulations. You have access to this good news. You have access to the gospel. Somebody is there sharing the gospel with you, making sure that you can hear it, that you can turn to him if you want to, if the Holy Spirit calls you to. You can take steps of faith to say yes to Jesus. And then I look at everybody on this side of the room 
And I tell you, I'm sorry. You don't have access to the gospel currently. You don't have access to the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came and he lived a life that I can't live. He lived a perfect life in a sinful world that he never messed up. You don't have access. And the truth of the matter is, unless more of the people on this side of the room pray and give and go and serve and surrender and step out of our boats, those on this side probably never will. That's the state of the world. But the good news is we can make an impact. And we're called to do that. Church, let me, let me wrap up and pray. But before I do that, let me say what I began to say a moment ago, that there is a God who loves us. I don't know where you're from. I don't know if, you, if your family was from a faith that got it twisted as far as who and what and how and where and all the things you're supposed to pray to and all the things you're supposed to do so that God can somehow approve of you. But let me tell you something. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing you can do to make God approve of you. But there is a God who loves you. And there is a God who loves us in spite of all that. There is a God who loves us so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to live here in this imperfect place and to live a perfect life and to die a bloody death on a Roman cross that he didn't deserve, but that I did, that you did. You see, when we reject God, who is perfect, and we are imperfect, there's a separation that must happen between us and a perfect God. And the good news of Christianity, the good news of our faith, is that that separation, yes, it has happened, but that it is not permanent. Because Jesus steps in the gap. He bridges the gap. On a bloody Roman cross, he dies a death that he didn't deserve. He's buried in a grave that was borrowed because he didn't need it that long. He descended into death like I was saying about just some moments ago. And he fought a battle there with sin and death. And he has overcome, church. <laughs> He's resurrected. And he walked out of that tomb and left our sin and our brokenness and the separation from the Father buried there. If we'll accept the free gift that he gives of salvation. So listen, if you're here today and you've not said yes to Jesus, if there's not been a time and a moment and a place where you said, I believe and I want to follow you, I mentioned a moment ago that I don't believe in accidents. 
If you're watching online or if you're here sitting in this room today, I believe that you're here for a purpose. And I want to challenge you that if the Holy Spirit's calling you to himself in this moment, if, you're, if you even have an inkling of faith, to just say yes to him. To just step out of the boat a little. To say, God, I'm, I'm broken. I've messed up. I've missed out. I'm a sinner who so desperately needs you. Help my unbelief. And help me to believe. I want to say yes to Jesus. And I want to begin the walk. To see what God has for me. Listen, if that's your story, I want to challenge you to say yes to Jesus today. If you're sitting in your living room. Or if you're sitting in this room or wherever you are. There is no better thing you can do than to say yes to Jesus. And then for those of us who have done that, who have taken that step of faith to say yes to Jesus, our salvation is ours. Jesus has won us. Our salvation lies in him. If you become a member of the family of God, congratulations. But understand that's not the end. There are people who desperately need you to be a do-something Christian. To be a love-somebody Christian. Let's pray. And if you said yes to Jesus this morning, I just want to challenge you. From wherever you are, just to speak to him. Father, God, I thank you for the moments that we've gotten to share here. The ability that you've given us to come and to learn and to worship and to glorify you in this place. To hear from your word and to see how you've challenged us and commanded us and given us the opportunity to take steps of faith towards people who don't know you. God, I ask even in this moment that those of us who have never said yes to Jesus will be challenged to do just that today. We'll be convicted of all the wrong that we've done and we'll see the truth of the gospel and the truth that there is no other name that we can cry out to to be saved but Jesus. Father, for those of us who have either just said yes to Jesus or for those of us who have been believers for a long time, God, I, I beg of you that you will convict us, that you will challenge us, that you will move our feet to action so that we may impact this world and those in this city, in this community, in this state, in this nation, and to the ends of the earth with this good news. Father, use us. Speak to us. 
Father, use our gifts that you've given us to impact the world. Father, I thank you for those here today who in a time where many of us could step away, could huddle in the corner of the boat of our lives, God, that you have called us to take steps of faith, to move towards you, to move towards others. Father, lead us this week and use us for your glory, for your kingdom to come here on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen.